Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded Executive Protection Team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you very much for joining us today. I hope that you can hear me nice and loud and clear. Hopefully it's uh, coming out good. I had to change some settings on my microphone, so I don't know if it'll work. You've reached the collision of faith and politics. And just so you know, you have the uh, the Honorable Jerry from Pennsylvania to thank for the title. Um, I wanted to use something soft and loving and sweet for the title, but no, he said, Collision, collision of faith and politics. So that's what this is all about. Hey, today's show, I don't know if you heard, it's just the bathroom, man. We're going to talk today about the bathroom law. It's not just about bathrooms. The truth is going to come out today, and it's going to kind of come at you kind of rough, kind of fast and hard. But uh, we got a really smart guy on the show today to help you with it, Dr. Stephen Turley, before we get to that. Look, I want you to write this name down. If you're somewhere where you can write it, write something down, or if you think you'll remember, I hope you'll remember. Um, if you're willing to pray for a buddy of mine, uh, he is 17 years old, really, really great kid, been fighting a good fight for a really, really long time. His name is Carson Sellers, and he is a, a great friend of mine, one of my very best friend's son, or a grandson, one of twins, and... Um, but he's the only one that's sick, and, and when I tell you he's sick, I mean, he is really, really sick. He's been, uh, I think, in the hospital more than out, um, and he has been to, uh, before any of you, you know, and this is nice. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying this to be smart. Um, you know, some of the times I've posted, you know, hey, could you pray for this guy? And, you know, people would say, well, what, you know, what's wrong with him? What, what's happening? And and they're so nice to do it, and I know that I know that it's it's not an issue of they're they're not being nice. They really mean well. But some folks, he's he's been there for it all. He's he's had every test you can imagine. Uh, literally, when I'm when I'm telling you, Carson Sellers has been in the fight. Uh, you know he has, and so I want to encourage you if you are the praying type, please consider writing down Carson's name. Uh, and, and praying for him, you know, obviously if you're driving, you can't do that safely, but I want you to, if you can do it, I'd, I'd love for you to do it. He is, uh, like I said, he's Jerry's grandson. He's in Children's Hospital, I think he's in Children's Hospital of Philadelphia this time, uh, and he, he's just very, very sick. Uh, he, and look, like I said, he's been to world-renowned doctors, 
over these last several years, world-renowned doctors. Uh, and the problem is nobody's really been able to figure out what's wrong with them. And I notice a lot of people, by the way, chat is open, and I'm not sure why people are logging in down a little bit. I might have it up a little too high. Thank you for the feedback. Get it? It's a radio thing there. Thank you for the feedback. Is that any better? Hopefully that's better. Let me know if you guys uh, – I depend on my chat people, man. They're they're awesome. They they help me so much. But um, anyway, um, anyway, all that said to say this, you know, it, it, they don't really know what's wrong with them. They thought they had it for a while. It was a little bit better. Uh, it was really improving. And then, boom, um, I have to say, so is it any better now, Jerry? Jerry's in chat. He's, he's my, my tech from afar. Uh, I will I'll turn it down a little bit more. I'm afraid that you won't be able to hear me if I turn it down too much. Um, anyhow, uh, he's been the world-renowned doctor. I mean, honestly, he's, I don't know of a doctor yet uh, that, that he's been to uh, that's not a you know world-renowned person. I mean, they're the best. But his body is just really, 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 um, really having just a hard time of it. Let me just say that. I mean, it's it's just a rough situation. Let me fiddle with this sound here a little bit more. All right, we'll mess with that. We've got that here. We've got that here. Yeah, I'm not positive I can do anything else. I'll try. Might be on the end of, um, might be on uh, Block Talk Radio's end. Who knows? But uh, anyhow. So w- the, the big thing that's wrong now, he's been in the hospital for several days now. Uh, and he's really critical. And the big thing that's wrong now is his body is rejecting everything. It's rejecting, um, he's literally, uh, it's rejecting everything, including IV nutrition. Hang on a second. Let me, let me unplug my mic and I'll plug it back in. There we go. Hey, Red Fox Radio is joining us. So if you're not driving, uh, it'd be a cool thing for you to join. So, so now, unfortunately, what's happening is um, Carson Carson's body is rejecting nutrition uh, through IV, and, and I don't know if that's ever happened with him before. In fact, I don't think the doctors have really experienced it before. So it's some it's some new phenomenon, and uh, so we are uh, we're asking you to pray. And uh, if you're a prayer, if you're not a prayer, you don't believe in anything, you want to pray to the universe, that's your thing. Just save your prayers. We pray to God. God is the creator of the universe. Nature and nature is God. Uh, but pray. If you're a praying person, you pray to God, keep praying for Carson and his family. Uh, this has been a crushing experience for them. Yet they have faith. Their, their faith is tremendous. So I say let us join our faith with theirs and pray and believe that God will reveal his will in this and that Carson will be fully healed and restored. So let's pray now. They say this is the death knell and you of what you are. You are it all. You are you are you're the you're you are the creator of all. The creator of creation. Of everything that we know around us and beneath our feet and, and, and the air around us and the sky above us. And I know that I don't have to remind you of your greatness, but I'm asking you, along with and agreeing with our uh, our great, great group of audience here that are believers, and I ask, Father, that, that you touch Carson's body and that you, you, you use whatever way you see fit, but I ask that you do it soon uh, to heal his body. Give him relief 
give his family relief, both financial and 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 uh, physical relief, to let them rest and and not touch his body in an amazing and miraculous way. I really do ask that, Father. I know that that you there's nothing at all that you can't do. There's nothing at all that you can't fix. So I know that uh, I'm not praying into the air. I know that you are uh, the Almighty. I know that you are the name above all names. And I ask, Father, that you would, wrap, number one, wrap yourself around him and protect him. Fill his hospital room right now with your glory and your greatness. And uh, that, that they would have peace there. And then every doctor that deals with them, every nurse, that they would be touched beyond beyond anything they've ever experienced, a 17-year-old should be. And I thank you, Father. I know that you are able, and I know that if you uh, if you could see fit to hear our sincerity and see fit to hear uh, our joining together in, in true faith and belief with all of our friends around the world praying right now, I ask, Father, that you would you would agree with us and that you would uh, forgive me of my sins, that my sins would so that my sins can be heard. I pray this in your Son Yeshua's name. Amen. Well, thank you very much. We're going to try to post some updates. You can go to Facebook. Uh, go to our Facebook page and post some there, and we'll do some on the uh, the website, theninjapastor.com, drshawngreener.com. Um, literally, at this point, Jerry has given me some updates here, live updates. Literally, the doctors have no idea, and only a touch from God will suffice. Amen. Amen. It makes what we're talking about today seem quite trivial, doesn't it? Um, yes. Uh, view this. Uh, as an opportunity to stretch ourselves in our faith. Um, I'm not sure. Somebody keeps saying chat keeps dropping, audio, um, all of those things. I don't know why. I'm not, I'm, I've got a super strong connection here. Let me see here. Yep, yeah, we're super strong here. Um, so I don't know. I mean, uh, hopefully, I don't, know, I don't know what's going on. Hang on one second. Let me switch over here. I got an idea. I got an idea here. Radio on the fly, folks, radio on the fly. And I'll tell you, there's no worse sound engineer than me. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have any idea. And the fact of the matter is I'm just moving buttons, pressing buttons. But I have a top-notch uh, microphone. It's supposed to be one of the best. Let's see here. Let me get this right here. We got this right here. And let's see. <laughs> One of our chat listeners said, uh, chat hasn't dropped. It's intermittent interruptions in your voice. And Craig said, uh, sounds just like our president. And uh, the great host of Red Fox Radio is listening, and they thinks it's uh, BTR, Block Talk Radio, and there was the same issue on another show today. So, bummer. Yet another issue with Block Talk Radio. I wonder when we're going to get our refunds for this consistently crappy quality. Um, that's a bummer. But uh, welcome to everybody, even people down in Bridgeville, Georgetown, Seaford, uh, all the way up in uh, Middleton, Dover, Middletown, all over, all over the United States. We have people actually listening right now from, well, let's see here, let me pull this up here, France this week. I love giving speeches when I don't have to drive more than a little bit. Um I am looking, uh, let's see here, it's at Arenas, Arenas in Milford, Delaware. Milford, Delaware 
and it's on, uh, let's see, when is it? Thursday night, and it is, I think, at 7, but I'm just not sure. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when it is, but I think it's at 7. I think I'll be speaking at 7 anyway. It's 912 Patriots. So if you live anywhere near Delaware, I'm sure they would love to have extra people. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'd love to have you there. It would be great. You get a lot of uh, protesters and stuff, so yeah, I'll be speaking on Islam there, uh, the truth about Islam, and uh, Thursday night. And so we'll be doing some other things. By the way, if you want me to come to where your organization, uh, it's a very simple thing. We do uh, expenses uh, plus a love offering if you're a church, um, whatever you can scrape together. I just need to get there is the biggest thing. And so we'd be glad to do that. I don't have any sponsors or anything like that. Everything we do is, is kind of on our own. And um, so anyway, we'll talk more about that at some other point. You're really lucky today because we have a great guest. He's been on before, Dr. Steve Turley. Um, he does Turley Talks. He's absolutely phenomenal. So what are we going to be talking about? By the way, if you go to theninjapastor.com, drseangreener.com, uh, there's a release on, on today's show called It's Just a Bathroom, Man. And um, But you'll have a little thing that pops up that gives you the opportunity to, to, to sign in with us. And We don't take your name. I don't know how to actually take your – you get notifications when we're going to be on or if we're going to be speaking somewhere for a big announcement or something like that. But certainly not every day, that's for sure. So the so-called bathroom bill was greeted with sweeping denunciations from the political left. What was surprising was the volume of outcry toward the law leveled by corporations such as Apple, Starbucks, Kellogg's, uh, and PayPal, along with more than 100 CEOs, chief, uh, seems like uh, chief executive officers, but uh, you can think of other things, signed an open letter urging the repeal of this, quote, discriminatory and radical new anti-LGBT law, which, by the way, it's, it's not that. Even the NBA suggested that it would move the all-star game if the law wasn't repealed. Such tactics echoed earlier threats by Disney, Intel, Dow Chemical, and the NFL to boycott Georgia if its governor signed a so-called religious freedom bill, which would allow faith-based organizations to deny services to those who violated their religious beliefs. By the way, that already exists for Muslims, by the way. If you're a Muslim business, uh, you don't have to serve anything you don't want to serve, and you don't have to serve anyone you don't want to serve. Apparently, you are allowed to do that if you are a Muslim but not if you are a Christian or anything but Muslim. So why on earth do CEOs care so much about this? Why do they act as if they have a dog in the fight? Why are they so adamantly signing, siding with such a small percentage of the population? Well, those questions are going to be answered today. You're going to, you're going to have the answer to that today. Ugh. A book fell on me. Fell on me. Good thing I can't feel my feet. Uh, so today we're going to answer those questions. But you know what? Here's, here's let me just say this. I'll set the record straight here. Women deserve privacy and safety. Oh, look, it's not just women, too, by the way. Just so you know, it's not it's not just women. Men deserve privacy as well. I don't want a woman coming into our. I don't want that. You know, if I was a professional athlete, still. Let me take a drink on that. Let that simmer with you a little bit. Nice hot tea. No, 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 no. I'm not. I, I wasn't a professional athlete. But, uh, you know, if I was a professional athlete, 
I wouldn't want female reporters coming into the locker room. I, you know, it's a lot of laughing and joking about, oh, yeah, you know, come on in here, girly. You know, whatever. No, that's not for me. That's not for me. And, I, and I'll be honest, I don't, I don't think there's any place for that. I think the sexes ought to, uh, uh-oh, circuit here. Uh, I think the sexes ought to really uh, ought to stay in their own zone. You know, I don't think there's any place for it. I, I think that I wouldn't want it. I just wouldn't want it. So allowing men into women's bathrooms, locker rooms, showers, it violates women's constitutional and civil rights. It violates my rights for a woman to come in there. Keep men out of women's bathrooms. Keep women out of men's bathrooms. You know, you can think whoever you you are. You say, look, I'm a, I'm a woman today. I'm a man today. But your original equipment is what determines what bathroom you're going to. Far as I'm concerned, I mean, I don't, I don't want to be rude or ignorant to anybody, but you know, look, if I, if I have a little girl, battery's dying. Uh, if I have a little girl, and that little girl wants to go to the restroom, his daddy or, or, or I think I'm going to be called Poppy if I'm granddad. I don't know. Maybe you guys can weigh in on that, but I'm thinking Poppy doesn't have anything to do with the discussion. Well, maybe it does. Maybe it does. There we go. There we go. My uh, my Bose headphones are chewing through batteries like it's going out of style, so I have to change the batteries on them. So fortunately, I have a backup to a backup, which is also a backup. So anyway, isn't this fun? You get to participate in my... Uh, my tech thing. By the way, welcome back to my good friend Sean. Uh, you will see after next week he's he's away, uh, enjoying a much deserved holiday with his wife after being deployed for I think a little over seven months, and um, so we're we're very very excited to have him back. So starting next week, you will see him. Uh, you will see him start posting things on the page again. You'll see God and Country come to uh, come to life again. So I have to do all this tech stuff myself, and you know I'm a loser when it comes to that. But let me let me just say this really quick. Um, I, I just really struggle with if I had a little granddaughter. You know, she's old enough to go in the bathroom by herself, but you know, I'm going to stand outside the door. I'm going to be outside there, and I'll say, Poppy's right here, and you just go in, make sure you remember to wash your hands. God forbid you touch me after going to the bathroom. Good lands. Um, I, uh, that's the thing. Little kids, they never wash their hands. You wonder, ugh, ugh. But anyway, so what ends up happening is they go in, and you're there. You know, I'm here. Are you still there? I'm here. Uh, okay, Poppy's still here. You make sure you wash your hands, you know. And then, uh, and then some dude walks up and he's like, uh, "Granddaughter's in there," and you're not going. Period. Oh yes, I am. Oh no, you're not. Trust me on this. <laughs> you are not. So I mean, we would throw down. I would throw down. I wouldn't call for some some manager or some kind of mess like that. Look, you know what? A lot of times we ask for help too much. We ask for help too much. We 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 ask for somebody else. That's what, yeah, I've talked about this. I used to be a police officer, and and we have a lot of listeners who are 
considered to be first responders, and 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 um, I'm not a fan of that title. I I don't like the title of first responder because you know what? If you're the victim and you're there, you are the first responder. You take control. That's why we have a Facebook page. You'll see some stuff about that. And ultimately, Damsel in Defense. If you put, go to damselindefense.com and then you type in the Ninja Pastor, you'll you'll come right to my page. There's all kinds of cool stuff there. Uh, really good prices and all that stuff. But the point of the matter is, is look, I'm just a believer. I am a believer in you've got to be there. Somebody has just sent me a message saying that I should be Hugsy Bugsy. That should be my pop-up name. I, yeah, I don't. I'm gonna hold off on that. I'm gonna hold off on that. Appreciate that though. Keep trying. I like this. I like this more names. That's good. Uh, we see plenty. So. Anyhow, uh, so it all comes down to this, you know, I'm, I'm going to be standing there. I'm not going to let them go in. And I'm not going to call for a manager, clean up on aisle five, any of that stuff. Fight, and that's not really what we're supposed to stand for. You know what we're supposed to stand for? We're supposed to stand for the safety and security of our children. That's what we're supposed to stand for. We are we are absolutely, um, now you tell me they're pay, playing sound of silence over me. Um, man. Maybe you guys can send some messages to uh, Blog Talk Radio and just say, look, you guys got to get your stuff together. Because I can't hear any of that. If you guys don't tell me what's happening, I don't know what's happening. But let me just say this. We're, you know, we'll be dealing with them. Uh, I hate to change at this stage. We were at one point where we were really, really ready uh, to, to switch platforms. Uh, we looked at what else was out there, and it, it wasn't remarkably better. So suffice it to say, until we can find something that we can – really, really know that we're going to improve and we're going to have to stick with this. But um, By the way, now that I'm thinking of it, um, the package that I have that I bought um, is a seven-day package. I can be on the radio two hours a day every day. And we pay for that whether we do it or not. If we only do one or two shows a week, we still pay for seven. So what I'm thinking about doing, and, and I'd love your, your guys' feedback, um, is switching uh, the Monday broadcast to Wednesday. Let's see how you feel about that. See what you feel. Switching to Wednesday instead of Monday. Uh, there's a lot of reasons. There are a lot of reasons for that. One of the reasons is quite simply um, physically uh, it would be helpful to me because I'm wrung out. I usually do most of my speaking uh, on the weekend, and I'm, I'm wiped out. Red Fox Radio, yes, ma'am, Wednesday at 4 p.m. Is that when you're on? Because if that's when you're on, I won't do it on Wednesday. Excellent show. And uh, suffice to say, um, you know, I'm just wrung out. I'm physically wrung out. And I have a, a pretty serious brain injury. So, we, you know, if we're not super well-rested, the brain, like today, for instance, I, I ruined a uh, – this is, you know, looking into my life here. And thank God my son was here. Um, I'm – Cooking, which you know, I have some special things that try to help it a little bit safer, but make it a little bit safer. But I had put a bowl on the stove next to what I thought was the water I was heating up for my tea. Well, unfortunately, I had the fire on the wrong one, and I don't have a sensation immediately of uh, of pain. Oh, thank you, Red Fox Radio. Not on the air then. Uh, she'll support the move. So. So I'm looking for feedback from from my audience. Uh, it would be four. It would still be four p.m. Um, 
I'm not sure. I mean, maybe it'll be later than that. I don't know. I'm looking looking for what you guys think. Married to the four to six. I mean, I'll do five to seven or whatever, but uh, we'll figure something out. But um, so when I get tired, my brain just simply doesn't, you know, it just it, it doesn't work perfectly. And so uh, what happened was is you know I put the fire on, and the uh, the fire was under this. Uh, regular bowl and it got super super hot because it was on it for five ten minutes and i said oh uh-oh i got the fire on the wrong one but i didn't process you can't touch that that's going to be extremely hot so i grabbed it and i moved it over to the sink and put it in the sink and guess what <laughs> that sucker exploded right there in the sink yeah yeah, so that's a function of just being uh, exhausted and and not not really um, brain not working right. So we're you know we are uh, we're working at some different ideas, things we can do to kind of give me a little bit of rest after uh, you know a little bit of rest. So um, we are going to um, we're going to look at that. Thank you for your feedback. Of course, uh, you know over in chat it's. A lot of great feedback. There's always good stuff there. You guys are, you guys are awesome. Um, so, you know. Anyway, the point is, do you ever ask yourself why these people are, um, you know, why these CEOs especially? Why would why would a CEO of these big corporations? Why do they get into this? Why was Target so eager? And they were eager. You, you, look, they were on top of it. Because, look, it doesn't affect Target. The, new, the, the North Carolina law, about, did you know that, right? North Carolina law, the law, the bathroom law, so-called bathroom law, it doesn't impact um, private companies at all. It's, it's only, it's only uh, state universities and government buildings and state or a public university um, or any, any government building. That's who it impacts. Nobody else. So why is Target and all these people, why are they doing this? Why are they doing it? Why do you think they're doing it? Anybody have any ideas? Because I'm going to tell you, uh, you know, where all this started, by the way, you, and this is, look, the 1%. So tiny. So so why are all these CEOs, these really, really powerful people, why are they siding with them? Does it make any sense to you? It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, it all, it all started, by the way, with Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, has a uh, very, 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 very overtly um, diversity-engaged uh, mayor named Jennifer Roberts. So Jennifer Roberts pushed for this Charlotte City Council transgender bathroom ordinance, and seven city council members, they voted for it. Belong, uh, they, they, So uh, who are the other people? So it's Mayor Jennifer Roberts, Vi Lillies, Lillis, Vi, V-I-L-I-L-E-S, council person, James Mitchell, council person, Julie Elselt, E-L-I-S-E-L-T, E-I-S-E-L-T, Patsy Kinsey, Al Austin, Lawana Mayfield, and John Autry. Those are the um, 
they are the city council people and the mayor who are pushing for this uh, transgender bathroom ordinance. It's just crazy, man. It's just totally crazy. So, um, oh, by the way, by the way, I just want you to know, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but I am friends. I'm friends with Hillary Barack. Just Barack. Not, not any other thing. Just Barack. It's just Barack. My son says for uh, the grandson, the grandchildren to call me Big Baldy. I never liked that kid. I never liked him. Just mean. He's mean. Very mean. Despite all the love I've given him, he's very, very mean. No, actually, he was very helpful and very encouraging after I did that. Of course, I felt like an idiot. You know, I ruined the the uh, bowl there. He was very, very nice. He, you know, he was my primary caregiver when I was uh, when I came home from the crash uh, for literally a year. You know, he took care of me. So pretty incredible. So, yeah, but Big Baldy—that's what he votes for, Big Baldy. So, uh, by the way, Clinton is my friend, apparently, because she wrote me a letter, and it says this, Sean, because we call each other by our first names, as Democrats, we believe that no one works hard every day, who works hard every day, should have to live in poverty because they're paid a minimum wage that's too low. We know that climate change is a challenge we must confront. We believe no young person should have to spend so much on a college education that they end up shackled by years of debt. And we know that we can never, never allow Donald Trump to become president of the United States. We can't. No. Will you donate $3 or more today to help keep that from happening and to elect Democrats who will fight for everything we believe in? If you've saved your payment information, your donation will go through immediately. Quick donate $3, $10, $25, $50, $100, or any other amount. Any Republican president would put President Obama's progress on economic security in danger. Make moves to repeal health care seven years to make our country more equal and more fair. <laughs> this is powerful. But it's clear that Trump, with his repugnant attitude towards women, immigrants, Muslim Americans, and pretty much anyone else he comes across, is the worst of the bunch. We're going to be going up against him this fall, so right now I'm asking you to pitch in $3 or whatever you can so that we can help stop Donald Trump and his fellow Republicans. Thank you, Hillary. Thank you, Hillary. So right now we are welcoming, we have a, a really, really great guy joining us, um, and his name is Dr. Steve Turley. And uh, I'm going to tell you, um, the guy is an extremely smart guy. Um, I thought about not having him on because he's so much smarter than me that if I have him on here, it's going to be extraordinarily obvious um, how dumb and smart he is. And you know how that goes. You know, it's just it's just what it is. But uh, he is an extremely smart guy. Uh, he's a professor. Um, he's not an egghead professor, though. He is a, a really, really, really good professor. His students, he also uh, teaches um, at the Tall Oaks Classical School and, and um, teaches actually in Newcastle, Delaware. And the guy has just got a an extraordinary, extraordinary resume. So um, we want to have him on. And the reason why we want to have him on is because he wrote a very powerful um, article on 
Bathroom Bills and CEOs, Why Corporations Are Siding with Transgenders. And so, folks, I want you to make welcome Dr. Steve Turley. Stephen, do you call me Steve or Stephen? I always call you Steve. Hey, it's Sean, it's great to be back with you, man. Hey, it's good good to have you here. So, okay, so you wrote a very, very powerful uh, piece. And, um, well, it's just absolutely extraordinary that um, you wrote this because so many people are, are afraid to write um, right. what they really believe. But Christians are particularly afraid. And so what, at the beginning of the show, after we prayed for Carson, um, I, I read the following words. Predictably, the so-called bathroom bill was greeted with sweeping denunciations from the political left. What was surprising was the volume of outcry toward the law level by corporations such as Apple, Starbucks, blah, 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 blah. blah. Now, by the way, all of these, and, and you wrote this, you, you wrote that, um, and I, I think it's, I want to say ironic, not really ironic, um, I think it's it's just strange to me that all of these companies that I named, PayPal especially egregious, um, they operate in countries where women are stoned for showing their ankles, you know. <laughs> Right. And, and yet they're mad at America because they're mad at North Carolina because they say, hey, if you're going to be that big of a bigot, then you know what? We just don't need you. So you, we're going we're to move these jobs that we were going to bring to North Carolina, and we're going to move them somewhere else, somewhere else that's more, I don't know, inclusive, diverse. Right, right. So you wrote this piece. Let me just ask you this because you wrote on something I've been thinking about for a long time. What motivated you to write it? I think uh, because as part of the discussions that I was having with my students, um, they, I mean, there is sort of an obvious question that, that the students bring up and, uh, and also what I hear uh, from, uh, from discussions um, from my colleagues, and that is, you know, why do CEOs even care about this? Why, why are they giving this issue the time of day? Uh, in, in fact, the law doesn't even affect them. It's specific, you know, to government restrooms. Um, and as we've seen with Target, you know, private companies can do whatever they want with their bathroom policies, whatever crazy things they want to do. So, so why do these CEOs care so much about this? And why are they siding with such a, a tiny minority of the human population? And so I guess uh, it's those kinds of questions that made me think through, okay, well, it's obvious that uh, siding with transgenders is, is not the result of deep philosophical inquiry <laughs> on the part of their proponents, as you just pointed out. Uh, they have no problem uh, doing business uh, with nations uh, that are, are, are far more um, egregious in, the, in these areas than, than anything that North Carolina would have done. What's going on there? And so that made me think, okay, I think we're dealing with some cultural dynamics that um, unconsciously influence opinion, le opinion leaders towards these socially liberal policies, and, and that's what I explore in the article. Well, who are these people? I mean, what do, the, we, what do we know about these CEOs, first of all? Because, I mean, CEO – it's the head of a company, but usually a publicly traded company, they have a a, a board and a, and stockholders to to uh, oh jeez, one of our listeners from Ohio, Chrysler, you know they've been having training problems for years. But I'm bump. 
I got a smart group. Um, so, <laughs> so who are these CEOs? I mean, how, how do they make these decisions arbitrarily without uh, their their boards? I would think their boards would would have a problem with it. Uh, yeah, I would have thought so too. Um, unfortunately, I, I think um, uh, a lot of uh, corporations, boards, CEOs, um, are operating according to the to the rules of the game that you you sort of alluded to actually in in the way you opened this up, uh, and that is uh, and that is this thing called globalization, um, globalism. And uh, the way I use the term in the article is globalization is this kind of economy that's dominated our society over the last several decades. And it it basically involves the interaction between really sort of this mass capitalism and urbanization and technology and telecommunications. And they're all interconnected within this mass transnational economic system. So, for example, we all know today that what happens with the Nikkei on the Tokyo Stock Exchange has ripple effects on the European markets, which in turn affect Wall Street, which comes back to Tokyo. This is, this is the worldwide economy in which we're living. Uh, and, of course, um, it's the economy in which these activist CEOs and, um, and uh, uh, board of directors operate their businesses. And so I think they're, they're learning how to do business and how to think about customers and to think uh, about policies in relation to sort of these globalized dynamics. And so I think it was the kind of – it was the key, this dynamic known as disembedding that really caught my – it caught my attention in the article. Do you want me to get – Disembedding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you want me to get into that? Yeah, go um, get that done. Yeah, so so it's kind of neat. Um, globalist scholars, scholars who study sort of the sociology of globalization, they pointed out that globalization has this thing called disembedding, and what that involves is it it affect it it propels economic activity away from localized control toward far more transnational control. So I like to use the example of the shopping mall. I use it in the article. Um, so we think of our, you know, the shop, everybody's got a shopping mall that's local to them. So it's local in terms of its proximity to the consumer. But you'll notice that the retail outlets that comprise the various stores at the mall, they're not local. They're, they're national. They're international chains and brands. And, and this is obviously especially the case with, with the re- latest releases of movie theater. You know, it's not local movies that are playing uh, at the mall or even at the offerings of the food court. It's not regional restaurants but chains and brands. If you want the regional restaurant, you have to go to the farmer's market, right? In terms of a mall, a mall is, um, involves all of these stores that are international or national chains and brands. And this is what disembedding actually is. The economic activity that tends to take place all around us has actually very little to do with anything local or anything provincial uh, the economic activity has been disembedded from local control, and it's been reorganized 
uh, around a more global economic market. So just think how much we see the Made in China imprint on our goods and consumables or how much of our vegetables and produce that we buy come from outside our country, let alone our, you know, our immediate region. And so what I argue is that this disembedding is actually key to understanding the cultural carrier so much social liberalism in our society today. Well, it seems like, um, and, and you know, maybe I'm wrong about this. I don't. It's just a feeling I have. But we are still the majority, but we behave as though we are the whipped minority. Right. 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 Yeah. It's it's it, it, it seems like the um, we're citizens in a society whose structures and institutions have changed. It's not people have changed per se. It's the structures and the institutions that just seem to operate by different rules. And I think, I think the key to that is that it's not merely economic processes that are disembedded, that are wrested from provincial control. Um, the dislodging involves localized customs, traditions, languages, religions. So, for example, whenever we see a mom-and-pop store closing and, and malls and franchise chains opening, what we have to understand is, is that traditional ways of life, customary moral codes and relationships, in terms of how they're embedded in the institution of the mom-and-pop store, that's disappearing as well. And so what this means is that the traditional moral conceptions that a vast majority of, of citizens would still hold to, these traditional ways of doing human life, they're increasingly difficult to sustain in the, inst the economic institutions that are fined more and more in terms of globalization. Again, that's where I think you can get these CEOs freaking out over at, at uh, North Carolina, but not having a problem at all with Indonesia, not having a problem at all with Yemen uh, and, and, and their social policies, as it were. Uh, glo globalization uh, involves this disembedding uh, processes that call into question the traditions and the customs of localized traditions, but not necessarily everywhere. It doesn't have to go there. You can have Chick-fil-A, which is technically a transnational corporation that does, does not buy into this disembedding. It keeps the moral traditions firmly in place. But other companies, uh, can, they can uh, begin to participate in ways of thinking about life where local customs and traditions are just pushed aside for these more globalized values, what we call lifestyle values. What is Orlandoization? Ah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, Orlandoization is, is um, again, it's this idea of the death of sort of your local um, stores where you know the people who own the stores and the store itself is uh, unique to them. Uh, it's their own particular brand of whatever it is, perhaps a restaurant, perhaps uh, a bakery, uh, a florist, um, a clothing shop, a shoemaker. That, all of those get replaced by mass chains, uh, chains and brand names. And, they get, and the stores and the wonderful little shops, you know, that for you and I would be something like Old Newcastle where we, we go and look through, all of that gets replaced 
by strip malls, <laughs> right? And everything is systematized, mechanized, and it all operates according to a formula. So or this, this, this term Orlandoization is this idea that more and more local uh, towns are being transformed into sort of these um, suburban uh, uh, strip mall-like landscape. Hmm. Wow. That's some fascinating stuff. Um, I don't know how long we have you today, but can you hang on for, through the next break here? Oh, I sure can. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome, folks. We have with us Steve Turley. He is a Ph.D. They wrote a, a fascinating uh, post, which really, really got my attention uh, regarding this bathroom bill. We're going to get to the bottom of it, what what it's really about, why are the CEOs uh, so behind this, these big CEOs, and, and, and we're starting to unpack this now. It's definitely worth a listen. On the break, tell your friends, and uh, we'll be right back. We will be back with Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, after these short messages. Hey, listeners, let me tell you something really quick. Listen, if you own a gun, not even if you carry a gun, not even if you have a concealed carry permit, but if you own a gun, you need to listen up. You need to get a pen, you need to get paper, something. You need to click into your notes in your smartphone and, and take this number down. First of all, the first number is 20630. Don't worry, I'll repeat it. 20630. Listen, you have the right to defend yourself and your loved ones and your home. All of that stuff is true. You know it is. But the moment you pull the trigger or pull your gun, you are at risk for devastating legal and financial consequences. You know, you can be arrested. You can be jailed. You can be sued. You can be fired. You can be bankrupted. Even when you've legally and justifiably used a gun in self-defense. Listen, you don't have to let this happen to you. Just call Second Call Defense. That number you want is 20630. Listen, it's going to get you a whole month free. 20630. I'll give you the number in a second. You're going to enjoy, listen, when you become a member, you're going to enjoy peace of mind of having immediate and comprehensive legal and financial protection at your fingertips the moment you pull your gun, the moment you pull the trigger, no matter where you are in the United States. You just make two calls. Your first call should always be to 911 to request an ambulance and law enforcement. And listen, we'll tell you exactly what to do, what to say, how to say it. Your second call should be the second call defense. Listen, we've got your back. It's complete legal protection for armed self-defense, and it is fully endorsed by the NRA. It's fully backed by the NRA insurance program. Folks, you've got to have this coverage. I have the Cadillac protection, which is the ultimate coverage, and I'm telling you, it is phenomenal. People say, well, I've got homeowner's coverage. That'll protect me. I've got an umbrella policy, civil liability policy. No, no, it won't. In fact, it's specifically excluded. You say, well, I'll get a public, a public defender. They'll keep me out of jail. No, they won't. First of all, usually public defenders are from liberal colleges and liberal law schools. They hate guns. They hate people that carry guns. And they're, they don't understand uh, lethal force to start with. They're overworked. They're underpaid. Is that what you want to bet your freedom on? Is that what you want to bet your financial future on? That? Are you kidding me? 877-502-3300. Secondcalldefense.org. You want to give them this number, 20630. That's a Ninja Pastors number. You give them that, they're going to give you a free month. Go to God and Country Facebook page. Uh, it's facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. Uh, there's a place where you can sign up. You, you, you know, sign up by the means of putting in your information for the show. Uh, to follow this show, but there's links on there. Once you do that or on that page, there's a link there, and that will 
show you exactly where to go. You click on that link, go, get all kinds of information. There are no contracts. You're not locked in. And once you get your money back, your free uh, month back, they, they never come back and take it back. This is the best coverage out there. Trust me. I've researched it all. Join today. Hey, Happy Warriors, this is the Ninja Pastor here. Please, this is very important. If you could, follow and subscribe this show. You know what? My statistics for this show don't count unless you are a subscriber or a follower. Uh, What you do is you go to blogtalkradio.com backslash the Ninja Pastor. And if you use Twitter and Facebook, follow us at the Ninja Pastor. And on Facebook, click on sign up just under my photograph under www.facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. Subscribers, you get notifications first of all of our shows, anywhere we're appearing, and it's all free. Nobody steals your information. Again, if you could click on follow and subscribe here at www.blogtalkradio.com backslash The Ninja Pastor. If you're on Twitter and Facebook, follow me at The Ninja Pastor. Go to facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. Click follow and sign up. Thanks a bunch. Man, I really appreciate it. Way to go. Happy Welcome back to the collision of faith and politics. Here again is Dr. Sean. Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate you coming back with us. Um, We are here. We've been fiddling with everything during the break, trying to figure out what in the world is wrong? And we can't find anything. All the wires are intact. Everything's been unplugged, replugged, all that stuff. So I'm hoping it, it will improve. Um, anyway, so uh, we are very fortunate to have with us Dr. Stephen Turley. And he is a professor and a, and a classical school teacher at Tall Oaks Academy in uh, Newcastle, Delaware, and uh, also a college professor. So He's a writer. He's written several books. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes and where you can find them. Um, but the fact of the matter is he wrote this very compelling post that I think uh, is in, incredibly timely and uh, very, very powerful, to say the least. All right, we're going to turn – you say I'm choppy still. Uh, I'm going to turn my volume almost all the way down, so hopefully you'll still be able to hear me. The, the gain – the radio folks call it the gain – um, I don't know what it is, but uh, anyway, the point is, welcome back, Steve. Uh, it's good to have you back. We were talking as we went to break about Orlandoization, Orlandoization, and so I think every. Are you still with me? Can you hear me? Yes, I certainly am. Awesome. I think everybody can really they know what you're talking about because everybody's you know been in their community and. They've seen the change from the mom and pop stores, the local people. They live there. They've uh, they they've supported the baseball, the little league teams, the the uh, you know the girls uh, softball, the, the high school basketball team. They've got the banners up on the football stadium. You know all these different things. They they've helped pay for everything. I mean, they've just been in there working, 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 and all of a sudden something comes in and says, you know. Now, this isn't very cool. This isn't, you know, this isn't the coolest thing ever. Uh, so why don't we bring in this really, really ultra cool um, company that is, you know, they're they're a national company. We'll bring them in. They're going to bring a lot of class and and all of that. We're just going to do that. We're gonna we're gonna just do that right now, and that's going to be really cool. Uh, it's going to look better. 
going to feel better. It's going to be more efficient, economies of scale. You know, uh, things are going to be cheaper. She won't life be grand. Uh, and then right. they come in. Right. We see, we see it on TV. We see all the flashy commercials for it because it has the national right franchise backing behind it. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Yeah. So so you see that. So you live you live in these places. So I don't think that it's uh, it, it's beyond. Uh, I don't think it's beyond reason to to say, hey, you know what? Uh, this is something that might well have been planned on a, a national scale. They always talk about. They always are talking about. Uh, I don't know who they are, but whoever they are, they're always saying that America is the richest country in the world. But I don't know that I would agree with that right now. Mm-hmm. When our debt level is so high, I mean, shouldn't we should, should we factor in our our debt, the massive massive debt that we're in? Right, right. Yeah, that uh, certainly. Uh, again, it's um, globalism t- is inextricably linked right now to the nation state, and and the nation state, uh, the way it's been working itself out over at least the last century in uh, Europe, uh, Canada, the United States, um, Australia, it's uh, it's basically involved the privatization of the church. It's been it's involved a single monopolistic institution, the state, being the sole representative of sovereignty over a nation. So it tends to just it tends to push out any uh, alternative public institution, pushes it out of the public and puts it into the private sphere of life. And that's what we've seen with the church. The church has moved from the town green. Uh, now, in you know, in the places of consumerism, it's uh, the church is next door to pizza huts and dry cleaners, and uh, it has assumed its own position in the strip malls. Uh, whereas, you know, when you go back to the old medieval villages and uh, cities and towns, or even a New England Puritan town, the church is the most prominent uh, architectural design in the entire you know urban structure, urban planning. And so, yeah, there there is a sense that we've we've entered into sort of a brave new world that's made up of uh, mass statism and and uh, debt spending, and on the one hand, and also credit and debt spending and consumerism on the other, uh, because with the church pushed out of uh, the public square, the idea of the good life, the the particular vision of redemption, of what it means to be human that was offered by the church, that's been eclipsed as well. And that's why I think we're even seeing the church, you know this, um, you've seen it, um, we're seeing the church more and more looking like a mall. It's more and more looking like a shopping center. I mean, as a matter of fact, when people are looking for churches, what do they often say? I'm church shopping, right? Right, Uh, right, right. Yeah, so so I think you do. I think I think you're right. I think there's a globalization is kind of a neat concept because it it's able to um, bring some pretty impressive explanatory explanatory power to the intersection not only of the markets and uh, and 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 global transnational corporate tendencies and so on. Um, but it also sees it in relation to what we call often crony capitalism and, and the role of the nation state uh, in providing uh, sort of the national security that's necessary for these global markets to function and also providing the welfare uh, system 
that's replaced the uh, economy of grace that that used to characterize particularly Christian um, communities prior to the rise of the nation state. What is uh, what is crony capitalism for our audience that might be joining us? Uh, they missed the first part. What is crony? We hear that term used a lot on uh, on television and on the radio and mainstream media. But what does it mean to you? How do you define it? Well, the, the way I understand sort of a crony capitalism is that um, very large uh, corporations, again, these sort of transnational, uh, franchise-oriented, uh, chain-oriented corporations, uh, tend because they're they're linked in with this globalized economy, they tend to get most favored company status uh, with uh, with the state. And so um, you, you've heard the idea um, or the concept, some companies are too big to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to understand that, you have to understand a little something about globalization, right? So if, our, if Ford uh, Motors, uh, your General Motors, fails, then that has a ripple effect on our stock market and, and on Wall Street. That will in turn have a ripple effect on Nikkei in Tokyo, and then affect you know uh, European stock markets and the like. So, rather than cause this um, this mass uh, uh, global economic upheaval, um, governments will come in and intervene, and in effect bail out companies for the horrible mistakes that that they make. Um, and of course, if you and I uh, did something comparable, uh, the, the the state could care less. We wouldn't get bailed out. We don't get that kind of special treatment. So it's crony capitalism is this idea that um, the state artificially uh, maintains, perpetuates, pumps up this globalized economy, often at the expense of much more uh, local. Uh, and and humble uh, economic activity. Mm-hmm. You uh, you quote in this article one of my very favorite shows, and I think just about anybody's. And <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, it's yeah. over twenty four hours uh, every Christmas. And so, right, right. Tell, tell me tell me about first of all what the connection there is. Tell us a little bit about the story that the story within the story, and then um, you know, tell me what you uh, what made you think of that and, and how it ties in here. Yeah, it's an example um, that I use in order to explain how these globalized disembedding processes can actually change our traditions. They can change um, uh, practices that are handed down from generation to generation. And it's a just it's a simple little you know innocent kind of thing, but it does I think have some profound effects. I I uh, I remark on. Um, if I'm sure most of your listeners know, there's the scene where the Christmas turkey is eaten up by the local dogs, and Bumpus so the Parker dogs. family they right they have to Bumpus go out dogs. and yeah those Bumpus's dogs are bad dogs yeah yeah they, right they break in I guess they have their dog and uh, there's all these dogs that come in they break in they 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 steal the turkey um, and uh, and so the the family goes to a Chinese restaurant for Christmas dinner and. You know, it's really funny. The waiters are there trying to sing Deck the Halls and, you know, fa ra 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 and all this. And then um, a roast duck is carried over to the family's table and its head is still attached. And so the father just sits there and, even, and the whole family is just stunned. And the waiter's like, is, 
everything all right? And the father says, well, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful duck, but it's smiling at me. <laughs> so the waiter you know, takes this cleaver, meat cleaver, just decapitates the duck real fast. And then the narrator says that that Christmas would live in the memories as the Christmas and live in our memories as the Christmas when we were introduced to Chinese turkey and all was right with the world. <laughs> and what I just simply point out is that in globalized societies, local customs and traditions can be exchanged for wider options and wider practices. So Christmas turkey can be replaced like with Peking duck. And, and it's a simple little illustration to show mm. how traditional gender roles for those who are very much uh, caught up in globalized processes, traditional gender roles can be exchanged for new roles. <laughs> okay, our, our our traditional gender can be replaced with transgender, and it's that easy. It's that simple in a globalized economy that's kind of been disembedded from our traditions that are considered sacred and absolute and passed down from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. So um, you quote sociologist Peter Berger uh, defining as life worlds, wherein each individual practices whatever belief system deemed most plausible to him or her. These belief systems include everything from religious identity to gender identity. Now, I said in the open, I, did, I do remember saying in the open that um, – you know, we would we would talk a little bit about this, and I have to keep good on my promise. But here's the thing: um, the the whole idea that we could imagine whatever gender we are, and then we magically are. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like we we the 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 idea that hey, you know what? Today I'm going to be a tall, ugly man, and right. then tomorrow. I'm going to change dramatically and be a tall, ugly woman. Right. I feel in, in, in my brain I'm going to be a tall, ugly woman. So that's my life world. That's, and, and this is being promoted. We're very privileged to have him. Um, he wrote a very compelling article that I just had to have him on to talk about. I think it's absolutely fascinating. So we're talking about the bathroom bill, but more specifically we're speaking about uh, why CEOs and why these big companies are, are jumping on the bandwagon here. It doesn't seem to make sense. I, I just don't know. Um, it, it just, it just, it's, it's incredulous to me. But Peter Berger, uh, and, and I think he may have hit on something here, lifestyle values or life worlds, the left ought to be vehemently opposed to Islam, but they're not. They're welcoming of them. Yet the left is predominated uh, you know, the the, the um, uh, diversity uh, vote is usually the left. The the uh, LGBT crowd is usually on the left, and yet they support Islam. They they are uh, they they are unabashedly in support of Islam. Well, leave them alone. Let them do what they're going to do. That's their culture. Really, throwing right. rocks at women. For being raped, it's their culture, and you're okay with that because it's their culture. Really, throwing people off of a roof because you suspect they're gay. Oh, wait a second, we suspect they're gay because we, according to our, according to our, uh, according to their their holy book, as long as you kill them, 
you're good to go. You you're right. good to go. You're not gonna be you're not going to be uh messed up for paradise there. But and, and they support this. The the women have to, you know, a certain mode of dress, walking certain distance behind the man. Uh if she doesn't do everything the man says, then well he can divorce her by saying, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you and she doesn't have such such good luck there. So Yet they support them, and it's and and I think this really, uh, in some way, shape, or form, ends up being uh, why this this life values this life world ends up being why they can um, fail to support uh, what really you would think they would, and why they support things that are are their enemies. They're absolutely their enemies. So right. Yes, yes. I, it's, uh, I think you're following a, a key trajectory here um, that is part of the emergence of life worlds as over and again, say, like a, um, a, uh, a morally defined public square. There's a, there's a wonderful term known as emancipatory politics. And um, what emancipatory politics are, it's a kind of a politics that started in – to come about in the 1960s, and it involves utilizing the power of the state to liberate people from traditional social structures and arrangements that, that are deemed unjust. And the injustice is, uh, involves the, the arbitrary impediments traditional societies impose on the individual who wants to exercise social control over his or her own life circumstances. What we have to understand is that globalized societies see they, they reimagine the human person. They no, they no longer see the human person like um, traditional societies do. Uh, the human person in a traditional society is one who's, who's born into a world of divine obligation. We're all, we're all obliged to conform our lives into a harmonious relationship with the cosmos. Uh, these are cultures that believe that law is eternal you don't just make up law. Um, th- that law is a reflection of a divine order. Uh, that that divine revelation is necessary, uh, a necessary form of knowledge to be able to live in such a world. And then traditional societies tend to focus on some kind of virtue formation, like in Eastern cultures, they call it dharma, learning how to, you know, following the Tao, the way, learning how to live up to your moral obligations that is imposed upon you for just being a, a being in this world. Uh, modern globalist societies throw all of that away. They just, they just disembed that, pick that up, throw it away, and then they lock us into a whole different arrangement of the human person in relation to life worlds or, or lifestyle values. And that's where you have this idea that we're all consumers. We're all sovereign individuals who get to make choices on virtually everything. The world is a mall, and we get to shop in it. Or think about you know, your typical 14-year-old kid sitting in his room with a laptop. He literally has the entire world at his fingertips. You're going to try to tell him uh, about some kind of divine obligation, right? Well, I, I, he could shop in China if he wants uh, with a, the press of a button. The world opens up to us as just a mass amount of options. And because traditional societies tend to, quote, limit people uh, by imposing such things as you know, gender and sexual, or sexual orientation and religious affiliation as fixed parts of our identity, 
Well, globalized societies tend to see that as absolutely unjust, and so they use the power of the state to liberate the sovereign individual from these arbitrary impediments placed upon them by traditional society. So, you know, we've all we've all heard people say something, you know, who are you to impose your traditional marriage on us? You know, I get to decide what marriage is for myself. We 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 certainly love living in a free market society where consumerism is a wonderful servant uh, to producing all of this wonderful prosperity. But when consumerism becomes a master, when it starts defining every aspect of our lives, and then I become a sovereign individual, a sovereign consumerist that gets to choose everything from my hairstyle to my religion to my gender to my sexual orientation, um, then you end up with something called emancipatory politics. And unfortunately, today, they, they see, uh, the practitioners of emancipatory politics, they see Islam as one of those uh, life worlds that have been disenfranchised, uh, that have been uh, arbitrarily impeded by, quote, traditional Christian societies. And so you're right. Ironically, they're all about emancipating Islamic thought and practice in our country, along with, ironically, the LGBT community uh, and the like. So I think you got it. I think the connection between the sovereign individual and consumerism and the opening up of life worlds that is characteristic of a globalized society, it's inextricably linked to a new politics, and that politics is emancipatory politics, liberating people who have uh, been uh, disenfranchised by traditional structures and arrangements that are now deemed unjust precisely because of their disenfranchisement. Not to pivot... uh Permanently, but uh, when I have smarter guys you on, I want to ask, what do you make of this, the the, the Trump movement, and uh, the response of so many to this movement? What do you make of it? Yeah, I I think it's um, I, I think it's a transitional movement. I think I think it's uh, I think that with globalization and all this mass kind of disembedding. We are finding that the, there's, uh, the world is responding with a blowback, and the blowback tends to be in the form of um, nationalization. And so you see it in Russia, for example, Putin's Russia. You're seeing it in India, seeing it in, um, in Israel. Uh, you're certainly seeing it emerge in, um, in Western Europe uh, with you know, the National Front in France and UKIP and in England, and I think you're seeing it here. I think Trump has tapped into uh, a sentiment that was originally tapped into by Pat Buchanan in the 1990s with economic nationalism and America first. And uh, so what I think you're seeing with this election is sort of a realignment of the GOP around what they sense. I don't think they've thought it through per se, but what they sense is to be the most effective blowback against Obama's radical globalization, which is turning towards a uh, very significant and robust nationalization. 
And that's um, and so where say ten years ago, I think you would, I think Cruz actually would have won quite easily the uh, nomination because I think people were hungry for a constitutional conservatism, um, somebody who's so well versed in natural law theory and the like. Uh, but I think that that sort of got eclipsed with these again, dare I say it, these more global processes of globalization versus nationalization, which is its blowback. So that's that's sort of how I'm interpreting uh, the the Trump phenomenon, as it were, because it is it is. I don't think anybody thought this was going to happen, and they didn't realize how much legs this nationalization has. I I do think. Um, that uh, this will be interesting in the sense that I think constitutional conservatism over the last 30 years has sort of uh, allied itself uh, with, ironically, forms of globalization, you know, with the so-called rhinos. Rhinos, really, in the end, are not just social liberals, they're globalists. And, um, and so it will be very interesting what the party looks like if constitutional conservatives begin to ally themselves more with nationalist populists. That will be a fascinating party. It may, it may, if, if the trends are correct that I'm reading, that may actually be the future. And globalization might actually get an incredible setback. Um, at least potentially, uh, with some with that kind of realignment. Well, uh, on a radio show as a guest, it kind of throws me off sometimes when they pivot like that. But I have to say, uh, for me, truly, this is something that I that I think so many people right now are really struggling with because the the group that supports Ted Cruz, uh, many of those folks are really struggling right now. I mean, right. genuinely struggling right now because they're saying, "Wait a second, did he? Is he actually? Uh, is is he actually out, or is he? Uh, it, 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 you know, is he? Is this some sort of? Um, I don't know, uh, ploy. You know, what mm. is it? Mm, mm. What what is it? What's what's going on now? And right. uh, and so uh, there's a lot of people that are really really struggling, and and I I guess my thing is is number one uh, well, this is how I feel anyway this is just Sean Greener talking right um, I really feel very very strongly that um, it, the people whoever the people select and and I understand the the whole uh, delegate process, the primary process. First of all, I, I'm vehemently opposed to open primaries. Uh, right. I think I, I think that the point of there's nothing to be gained from that. Right. Nothing to be gained. Uh, I'm very very against it, and um, I just think that uh, for me personally, um, that's that's a killer. I mean, when we when when we when we have that, that's just dumb. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, right. It, it, because why wouldn't the left come over and say, you know, oh, yeah, this is who we want, and then change their party affiliation by the tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions, to come over and affect our primary so that right. they run, we run who they want. Mm-hmm. 
this is what happens, uh, and this is reality. And you can you can ignore reality all you want, but they're doing this. Just like right. you know, Soros bought up uh, so many of the voting machines. He bought the companies that make the voting machines. So right. They say, well, they would. How could they get away with that? Well, how could you get away with shooting down SEAL Team Six, the gold team, on a, mm. on a helicopter from the Vietnam era? On a lie, you got sent somewhere on a lie, and then you lie to their right. families. How do you murder all those people? Uh, you know, basically in the view of everybody, how do you murder Lavoie Finnegan? Right. You know, it, come on. I mean, you know, these things are happening right in front of our eyes, and it's so powerful, and it's so hard to believe. We can't even believe it. We can't right. believe it, so we don't believe it. We don't believe it. Right. As to Ted Cruz, you know, I'll say this, and my belief is this, look, um, crushed him in, in most of the comments. Uh, he was obviously Donald Trump's closest competitor. Um, I tried really hard to get Ted Cruz on the show. Uh, my oh, buddy, nice. yeah. uh, Philly Bob, you know, Philly Bob tried to get him on. Um, it just was, his requests were, you know, obviously, he's going to go to the ones that have the giant audiences. Sure, and sure, yeah. I, I have, I have 600,000 people. That's you know, that's one-tenth of what they could be talking to. So right, anyway, right. the point of it all is um, I, I liked Ted Cruz. I liked the guy for whatever reason. There was a lot of people that would spout, and they were most often Trump people. Always, you know, they'd list all these different things and say, well, you know, I just don't trust the guy. And then would say, you know, I'd give all the things. Look, I've talked to his Sunday school teachers, which I did. I've talked to two of his Harvard professors. Um, no, nobody I've talked to. I mean, I've talked to about nine people who have known him, some of whom have known him since he was five, and they right. said a better better guy you'd never want to meet. I mean, yes, he, he went to Washington to kick butt and take names, and he is making enemies there, but he's doing it on our behalf. Um, right. But as soon as you name those things, say those things, well, he's, he's simply not eligible. And I have good friends who uh, I've been good friends with for a long time, and, I'm, and I love them dearly, that are hardcore Trump fans, and they – I would have never thought it in a million years, but they are. Um, is a fraud. If he is a fake, if he is a guy who is really going to wreck America, then we have to believe it's God's will because look at the throngs supporting this guy. We have uh, to believe that something's going to happen from this that's going to bring about whatever it is that God has has uh, decided for us. And and right. I, I don't I don't take that view. I, I don't take it at all. But as it relates to who gets the nomination and then who do we aggressively run against Hillary Clinton, you know, if the majority of the people, the majority of the delegates say, hey, you know what, uh, it, it's, it's going to be Donald Trump. And right, right. I, I, think, I think we need to leave it alone and then find a way to impact this man's thinking as much as we can, as much right, as we exactly. can. Um, yeah, that's a- that was Kingrich's analysis a bit, that the idea that he's a natural ally to conservative thought. And I, I think there's something to that. It's, people make, up, uh, make a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, they're very concerned, wait, he's not, he's not a conservative, you know, he's, he's a liberal, blah, blah, blah. And I just think what we have to understand is we have, in at least what he's been arguing, we have Pat Buchanan, you know, resurrected as it were. The 1996 campaign of Buchanan 
is is virtually identical to what Trump is arguing. And that that is that's much closer to you know classical conservative constitutional conservatism than anything that's coming out of Hillary Clinton's mouth. Well, and that is uh, that there, there's the key right there. But there, I, this is what I fear for our country. This is what I fear. I fear a whole lot of people. are going to say, look, if not now, when? You know, third party. Uh, we've got to do it. We did this last time. Look what we got. Um, I, I, you know, I don't hold out a whole lot of hope. I'll, I'll, I'll be really, really uh, a conservative victory. I really, um, I really believe that. I, I really, really struggle to see where we're going to have a conservative victory at, at some point. Yeah. In, because I, they've got us outnumbered. They outfox us every single time. Every single time they outbox us, the left does, and and I and I honestly, I, I really genuinely struggle with how we could be so bad at strategy and tactics and, and all of this. But the problem, um, the problem is, I I really really struggle. I mean, genuinely, I really really struggle with this. We are in a circular firing squad. On the right, and conservative. We are in an absolute circular firing spot. Somehow or another, we manage to wreck ourselves. And most often that wrecking of ourselves doesn't come from uniting behind two really, really powerful things. One, Second Amendment. If you are not, um, if you're not a, a true Second Amendment person, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be able to help you. You know, it's uh, it's just that's how it is. Uh, let's see here. I might have lost you there. Let's see if this is Steve coming back. Are you able to hear me okay? There we go. What's your other line drop? There we go. Ah, there you go. Okay. My my phone was starting to, <laughs> to go in there, and I said, oh, uh, no I better get another phone. No worries. Yeah. I thought Sorry. I heard the beeping. So, so uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if you could hear me, but. You know, uh, we kill ourselves as conservatives. We kill ourselves with a circular firing squad, and we say, "Hey, you know, um, gosh, we we just we we've just got to." I'll use this example. You know, and I just said I don't know if you could hear it. Um, and the Second Amendment. You say, "Well, those are two odd bedfellows." I mean, I don't get it. I just really believe that if if there's if something so simple as the, the truth that a, a, a human being, male, and a human being, female, in Hebrew, nephesh, the being that prays, they come together as uh, designed by God, and a baby comes from it. Until that baby being born, it's just, uh, I, it's just, I can't fathom how we would right. allow scientists to look us in the eye and say, it's not a baby, it's not a human being, it's a fetus. Right, right. And and, and right. we and we stood by for that. And we said, Hey, that's that's totally all right. We don't like it, but you know what? That's the law. It right, seems right. To me, that law is always the law the left always wants to abide by the law. Uh they always want to call it the settled law, the ones they agree with. But the ones they don't agree with right, sure. second 
get a member. Sure, but oh, North Carolina passes a law, right? Yeah. Passes a law. That's not settled law. Sorry, we're not going to obey that law. So, right, so right exactly. Is, is if I have a president who doesn't believe in the sanctity of life, then, then I can't imagine what else he would ever do. If you can't support the most innocent among us, then I can't support you. And then right, the Second Amendment, right. how, how for me that connects is, you know, right. I know if the founders knew, there is no way in this world the Second Amendment was about hunting or anything right. uh, like target right. shooting, any of those things. It had right. to do with empowering the people to defend themselves against a tyrannical government. And, and at right. some point or another, you know, people have to get it. Look, if you don't want a gun, that's fine with me. But don't try right. to take mine. Uh, there's a big right. argument right. right now in Delaware, the House Bill 325, uh, where I'm working. Uh, and, and, and just so you know, uh, Bethany Hall Long is my representative in, in, in uh, uh, District 10. And she, she refuses to respond to my email. And if any of you out mm. there know her. I'm sure with 600,000 listeners, there's somebody that knows her. Call her up and tell her, hey, you need to return this guy's email. Uh, I've sent her many, many, uh, many, many requests to say, hey, where do you stand on this? Because this is the extension of the federal, uh, you know, if the backup, if the uh, background check comes back uh, right away as a yes, guess what? You get your gun. Comes back as a no, guess what? You don't get a gun, and you never do get a gun unless there was an Mm -hmm. error, and you can have that error correct, then you can get a gun. But if it comes back wow. as a delayed, then you have to wait until, you know, they fix whatever computer problem they have or whatever's going on. And then, you, but they have, essentially, it's really five days. But it, it, And at the end of that wow. five-day wait, if they still have an issue to decision, guess what? By law that they wrote, you have to be given your gun because they, it's up mm. to them, the owners and them, to do the background check because we don't want uh, well, you know, we're really busy. We may but get back to you, I don't know, probably, I'm thinking next year, year after maybe, <laughs> uh, five years down the road. But we're going to get you. We're going to get you your gun. But right now we're just busy, so we're going to get you. So a right denied is a right. A right delayed is a right denied. So anyway, right. the point of all that is, is this, is that I look, I look at conservatives and I say to myself, self, because that's what I call myself when I'm talking to me. I say to myself, self, um, I don't know that I, with the kind of thinking that's out there and the kind of division within the conservative movement, there's so much division. I don't see right. how we can ever get a true conservative elected. I, I struggle with it. I really, really right. struggle with it because we are so divided. We can't decide anything. Without right. a bunch of arguments and, you know, this person says, well, you're a rhino, well, you're this, well, you're that. Um, right. I, I don't know. I just, I don't know. And so I look at that and I say, seeing what I have seen for so many years, I, I say to myself, wow, what in the world are we going to do now, given the fact many people have said, you know, never Trump. And I respect that. I, I respect that their feeling on it is, look. You know, I just can't bring myself to vote for this man. Fair enough. Right. Right. Fair enough. I, you have every right, uh, but you know, at the same time, it's look. We're handing the election to my my uh, my dog is protecting me from all the evil that is that abounds in the studio. <laughs> uh, 
anyway, uh, you know, the point is, ultimately, we have this. We have this situation where we're sitting here looking at losing another election, and we're losing it to Hillary mm-hmm. Clinton. And I'm telling you, this time you have all of these super old liberals just hanging on, and they're hanging on till a time where they know that equally, if not more, liberal folks can be put right. into that office for life. And, you know, that's what's at stake. We're talking about two or three right off the top. Uh, Supreme Court of the United States, and right. I'm not. Right. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that Donald Trump is gonna is gonna nominate. Uh, you know, two or three really super um, conservative people. I don't think that at all. But I'll tell you what: we have a far better chance with Donald Trump than we do with Hillary Clinton. Some folks have oh, posited, absolutely, yeah. Well, they posited the theory: look, you know, we're better off with Hillary Clinton because. She will be so awful for the country that we will be able to unite behind her. And I have to say to those yeah. people, I have two words, three words for you: Barack, Hussein, Obama. Yeah, of course, so, of course. So if we can't, it, yeah, if we can't unite uh, behind Hillary Rodham Clinton now, right, uh, or, or via Barack Obama now, what makes you think we're going to do it then? It's just no. Absolutely, I agree with you 100. percent if I, you know, if there's a, a neat way to kind of put this all together here in terms of the dangers uh, we're facing and, and why I think um, the whole globalization, disembedding, detraditionalizing de- processes, why they're, they're so dangerous and what you're saying is, is, uh, is so right on. Uh, if we don't know the difference between male and female, how on earth are we going to know the difference between good and evil? <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. Come on. There you have it, folks. I hope that you folks, uh, I really, really hope that you folks heard that because, you know, Steve, this is the thing, bro. I, I'm looking at this yeah. one. Okay, if we let them tell us, if we let them tell us, you know, uh, I might not be a man. I might be a woman today. Tomorrow, though. You're right. Tomorrow, I might be a man. Right. It just depends. It really depends on what my lifestyle value, my life world is today. And you so if it. we let them, I mean, you hit it right on the head. Boy, you couldn't preach a better sermon than that. If you hit it <laughs> better on the head, I just don't know. See, here's the thing. You, so good. If we can't discern, if we can't stand firmly and look those people in the eye that are that are clamoring for this this ridiculous, ridiculous thing. Now, by the way, they think that uh, a lot of people think, and I did a whole show on this, and it's available at the ninjapastor.com free of charge. I don't even think there was any commercials in that one. Um, well, I did a whole show talking about what the law really is. Look, a lot of people really believe the rhetoric which says, well, New- North Carolina has enacted a anti-LGBT law, when in fact that's not what happened. That's not what happened not. at all. Uh, you know, the, uh, the the mayor, who is, is wildly liberal, Mayor Jennifer Roberts of Charlotte, and then right. uh, she had seven of her compatriots in the, in the Charlotte uh, City Council, James Mitchell, Vi Lillies, uh, uh, Julie Eisfeld, uh, Pat 
Patsy Kinsey, Al Austin, Lawana Makefield, and John Autry, those people, uh, they supported a bill that said, you know, if you feel like a man, but you're a woman, right. go into the men's room. And if you feel like a woman, but you're a man, yep. if you self-identify as that, then go on in. Showers, right. locker rooms, whatever. Uh, just get right. it done. You loud, and, and we love you. We love yeah. you, and uh, you you vote for us, so we really, really love you. And so you just go on ahead and, and go on in there. And what the what the governor did was he said, uh, no, we ain't doing that. Right. We're not right. going to do that because that's crazy. Exactly. 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 Uh, it's it's wrong. That's the beauty of it. That's where he's yeah. coming. This is wrong. This is see if we don't know the difference between male and female, we don't know the difference between right and wrong, between good right. and evil. If if we as, as Christians, if we make those arguments, those are hard arguments to yeah. to uh, to rail back at it because of course right and wrong, good and evil require truth. It requires distinction. It requires uh, the law of non-contradiction, and that's it precisely what transgenderism challenges. This is what exactly what emancipatory politics challenges or, or lifestyle values challenges. It's about replacing a moral-based society, which I don't see how you can possibly have a constitutional republic without. It's replacing a moral-based society, which is the foundation for how we cultivate virtue, which is the basis for our ordered liberty. Uh, it's replacing that society with a society of lifestyle values, where we are all individ- sovereign individuals, we're all consumers, we all get to make the choices that we want to make for every aspect of our lives. And mm. that's what I think is driving these CEOs and these corporations. I don't think they've ever thought about this philosophically, not even remotely. I think mm-hmm. what's driving it is is more they're against what they perceive as this arbitrary restricting of lifestyle options, um, since such limitations are inconsistent with consumer-based self-expression. And, of course, that's making the CEOs a lot of money. Uh, they, they profit off of alternative lifestyles. They not only create them through the disembedding processes – but they end up making a lot of money off of them. And so you're right. I think, I think this is something that we can really drive home, uh, and that is, is if we don't know the difference between genders, then, then we can't tell the difference between good and evil. So therefore do not tell me that this bathroom bill, uh, if it is revoked and replaced with what the you know, Department of Justice wants to replace it with, with transgender bathroom policies, don't tell me people aren't going to be hurt. Don't tell me people aren't going to engage in uh, horrific wrongdoing uh, like we've already seen with Target and, uh, and these peeping Toms coming in and filming girls and the like. Being, you know, I think there's one that went viral on Facebook where a, a, a girl actually had to ch- uh, chase out some guy who was a peeping Tom in the bathroom. Uh, don't tell me that. If, you, if, if, if right and wrong and good and evil, a moral society no longer exists, well then, uh, don't be surprised, as C.S. Lewis said, that you um, that you have just amputated the organ but demanded the function, right? You you've just laughed at honor, and then you're shocked to find 
uh, traders in your midst. You've just castrated yeah. and then bid the gelding be fruitful. Wow. You know, here's the thing, uh, folks, we have a doctor. He's a uh, classical school teacher, a writer. He's got several books. Um, really good stuff. I mean, seriously good stuff. So here's, you know, I, I don't know that a lot of people maybe know this, uh, but maybe they do. You know, the Department of Justice, uh, you know, our federal government has come in and they have sued the um, the state of North Carolina and they've said, all right, you want to be like that? You want to you want to be like that? Okay. Then tell you what let's do. Now, we're going to demand of you something that's never been demanded of anywhere else on the planet, but everywhere in the United States now, not just in North Carolina. We're going to respond this way. We're going to kill a gnat with a shotgun and we're going to say, you know, uh you not only you, but but everywhere else, not just North Carolina, everywhere else, not just uh, go- state government buildings, uh, state buildings including high schools, you know, any of the any of the junior highs, the elementary, saw this, middle schools, uh, any government building, including colleges, you you have you can't. We're we're saying you can't go in at something other than original equipment into the opposite <laughs> bathroom. You may look to yourself like a pretty little lady. But you're still a dude, and you're not allowed in there. And, you know, if, if you don't want to dress up as a woman and you say, today I feel very woman, I'm going in there and going to use the bathroom, that's not going to happen. We're not going to allow that because right. you've got your deal going on in your head. That's fine. Then pretend at home. But don't come. But that's all that it affected. It did not affect private businesses. It didn't say we, you know, what he said was, and I watched the interview with the governor, we don't suppose and impose ourselves upon private business. We say, hey, if you want to right. serve some social uh, in motivation, if you want to say, look, we don't serve you, then we're right. not going to mess with you as long as it's not racially based because the Civil Rights Act says that we can't do that, and we wouldn't do that anyway. That's not what we're about. Right. This, the the, the, in, the uh, Department of Justice said, Barack Hussein Obama says, okay, well, we're raising the stakes. Now we're saying everywhere. We're making right. a lawsuit that includes everywhere, every store, every small business. If you have 15 or more employees now. You, what, the, what the, uh, the Department of Justice is saying, if you have 15 or more employees, guess what? You are now going to have to provide, you're going to have to make provisions for people who want to use a restroom by their choosing, whatever they identify, whatever they self-identify. Right. To me, right. this is lunacy, and, and and at first I chuckled at it because I thought somebody is putting out a funny like a a, a, a satire. I thought it was a satire. Yeah. I really did. I, an, I onion, first an onion satire. <laughs> yeah, an onion satire. I, I had no idea that this was real, and for a day or two, I chuckled at it. And people said, "What do you think of this? This is something to talk about on your show." And I said, "Yeah, well, I, I think that's a satire, isn't it? That's not real." Because I, right, I right. really. I didn't believe, Steve, I didn't believe that in this day and age, with the information we have available to us, that there would be any way, no way, no way, could we actually be having an argument. And no way. You know, uh, Bruce Springsteen, I don't care much for him. I'm born on his birthday, but, hey, that's about all we share. The fact of the matter (laughs) is, you know, I don't care about this guy. And all these other people, right. these stars, these celebrities, say, well, I'm not going to do my concert there. I don't care about them. 
I really don't. Right. PayPal. Right. If, if people choose right. to donate to my ministry and, and help us do what we do, because we, we don't receive money any other way. We do it all on our own dime. And they go to the Ninja Pastor and they donate. I'm sorry to say, PayPal is the one that processes it. The reason they do, right. the reason I select them is not for political, what they believe politically, what they espouse. It's because they're the safest way to donate money. So, okay, so I did that. I looked, that was my, that was my crucible. Are they safe? That's what I want to know. I don't care how long it takes me to get my, you know, whatever the donation is to my bank account. I want to know, is it safe? That's what matters to me. Well, you know, I'm now actively, aggressively searching for an alternative that's equally, if not more safe. And so I really, 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 uh, I'm really struggling with this. Because I think, man, oh man, you know, we we need to we need to stick together uh, as businesses. You know, boycotts go both ways. You you look at Chick Fil A. Yes. Yeah. What do you what do you make of uh, what's his name uh, De Blasio in New York? Oh right, running, right. R- running down Chick Fil A. Right. And because they're because they have a pro traditional marriage stance. Chick Fil A, Cracker right. Barrel, Carl Jr., Urban Outfitters, as you. Mention in your excellent article, uh, you know, yeah. come on. You know, this is just yeah. unreal. It's absolutely yeah. unreal. So what do you make of that? You, you've got a, a mayor of the largest city in the United States, the most populated city in the United States, and you've got him saying, look, I, I'm against Chick-fil-A. Meanwhile, right, they, sure. they, they pay taxes to New York yep. City, for New York City. They're growing yep. faster in New York City than McDonald's. Growing wow. almost twice straight. So, what do you say about that? I mean, what what do you what do you think about it? Yeah, it's just uh, I think increasingly uh, we're seeing constitutional governance and the natural law tradition that's so much part of our Anglo-Protestant um, uh, tradition. It's just increasingly being replaced by emancipatory politics, uh, and ironically, as you're pointing out beautifully. Um, Emancipatory politics are inherently discriminatory towards traditional customs and moral values. That's what makes this so, you know, it tears your hair out. Uh, These people who lead the crusade crusade against discrimination can only do so by discriminating against what they deem to be discriminators. So it's it's radically, inherently uh, discriminatory, but it it is the new ethic. It's the new... Uh, value system that's reconstituting the the institutions of our society, particularly state and uh, capital institutions, consumerist institutions. And so, again, going back all the way to your original point, you still have, I think, folk culture firmly in place, uh, a generally Protestant-oriented Christian nation of citizens. who uh, who just like to go along to get along, you know, don't, don't want to get in anybody's face, don't want to get in any problems. Um, the the state can't do a lot about them, but what the state and what uh, what CEOs can do is they can change the institutions, and then the institutions operate by value systems, and the value system is no longer constitutional governance and natural law. The value system now is uh, lifestyle values. It is uh, it's life life worlds, 
and the politics that governs these lifestyle values is emancipatory politics. It's no longer about protecting constitutional rights as understood in classical uh, natural law terms. Now it's it's protect well it's inventing rights in accordance with emancipatory sensibilities and then basically going out and and forcibly reconstituting um economic institutions in accordance with those values so it's it's the recreation of society around secular norms i i think in the end it's not going to be that successful um the irony in all that is again one of the things that i think was in trump's favor is the way he was able to push back against political correctness i think people like that i think people despise political correctness and i i see political correctness as emerging from emancipatory politics so where you have um you have uh, people who are i mean i mean political correctness in effect is the protection of minority groups from what they call dignitarian harm uh where um you are supposedly marginalizing these groups through offensive language uh, be, uh because they were historically disenfranchised and by using offensive language you keep them disenfranchised but of course the problem is these groups like you know women or lgbt or all these new racial categories we come up with all these groups are created uh by the disembedding dynamics of globalization you're first and foremost seen as a sovereign individual and then through politics they'll put you into a constituency and the constituency is defined in relation to one of these historic disenfranchised groups and then with uh emancipatory politics that allows the politician on your behalf to basically re reconstitute all of life around this new vision of uh of a value system so it's um when all is said and done i just don't see it going that far it's going to be pretty yucky over the next couple of decades no question but there's been some really neat studies one particularly by eric kaufman who's a demographer of, at the university of london who's pointed out that actually you know one of the the achilles heel secularism and, and this lifestyle politics is the family they're not having kids uh secularists are actually a uh, way below i think the 2.1 reproduction line uh for for uh for equilibrium in in a population and what he found is that very very conservative christians are way above that line they're getting 2.5 you know three three kids uh and per muslims, couple muslims are even above that oh yeah right more. exactly yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Muslims as well. So he actually sees the future starting around 2050. Uh expect to see particularly in the United States, but even to a certain extent Europe as we know, uh start to see very very conservative religionists. So conservative Christians, conservative Muslims, conservative Jews expect to start to see that coalition emerge um as the majority. Secularists will begin to to disappear in many respects. So they're going to have they're having their play time right now and boy are they making a mess of things but it does appear that in the next few decades there really may be a sea change much much more in a very very christian conservative 
uh, uh, vantage point, at least from the United States. Europe is going to be a, a difficult one with, like you're saying, with particularly the, the recent election of uh, the first uh, Muslim mayor in Western Europe. So we'll, we'll see what goes on with that. But hopefully in America, um, we're going to see an increasing movement away from emancipatory politics and political correctness and all of this insanity and much more toward uh, a, a, a natural law tradition-based society. What do you think, and we don't have much time left, but what do you think uh, we should be doing as conservatives in the meantime, what do you think our, our yeah, best I, move right now is? Yeah, I think um, what I'm, I'm, I'm that's that's actually some good news because I'm starting to hear sort of a refrain. Uh, you and I were at a great um, uh, uh, conference just what a few weeks ago at the Delaware Family Policy Council. Nicole mm-hmm. Teich does a great job there, and her whole talk, if you remember, was about building. We need to build. Uh, we need to build sort of this parallel structures, parallel society, particularly in education, um, in our in our healthcare and healthcare cost sharing ministries like Samaritans Ministries and the and the like, uh, alternative Christian based um, culture and leisure, independent arbitration like peacemakers, not going to the courts, secular courts, that kind of stuff, and certainly uh, supporting. Um, you know these these wonderful businesses that are fully aware that that yes they could disembed but they're not going to so Chick-fil-A still faithfully closes its its uh its doors uh to honor Sunday uh as a day of rest and so it keeps a christian conception of time or these other places like cracker barrel and so forth not at all afraid to celebrate all that's good in americana as it were um, these, we want to support these businesses. We want to support politicians like the current, this, uh, the uh, governor of North Carolina, who's standing up to this uh, political correct, uh, emancipatory politics and lifestyle value systems. Um, I think if we're doing that, if we're building and we're supporting, I think I think we're going to weather the storm just fine. Well, that's awesome. It's been awesome having you today. I, I tell you what, it's been a lot, of, a lot of fun. I think we need to make a, a more regular thing of this. You, you have a lot to say, a lot of very articulate and amazing things to say about a lot of things. And I'm glad to give you the microphone and, and let you just turn loose. Uh, you know, it's, it's just been a, an honor and a pleasure to have you folks. We've had on today uh, Steve Turley. Steve, tell the folks where they can get your book, uh, well, your book, and, and read your other writings. Oh, thanks, Sean. Yeah, they can go to uh, turleytalks.com. It's my last name, T as in Tom, U-R-L-E-Y, and talks, T-A-L-K-S.com, and they can get my articles and videos and and books uh, all in one site there. Awesome, awesome. Well, it's so good to have you. Thank you so much for joining us today. And, folks, I know that uh, you've appreciated it. Um, We're going to let Steve go because we've kept him way over uh, what we promised, and but uh, and then we'll be right back, um, uh, you know, and, and we're gonna I'm gonna close out with something you just won't believe, folks. Th- let's Great. just make uh, let, let, let's make him feel welcome and make him feel appreciated. Uh, buy his book, and and th- you know I can tell you as a guy who has a book, look, that's the thing that says something is when the book is when the book is purchased and distributed. That's what really makes the author. Uh, 
it's a good feeling. It's just a really, really good feeling. So thanks again, Steve. We sure appreciate it, and uh, I look forward to talking again very, very soon. Great. Thank you so much, Sean. God bless, man. My pleasure. You too. So there you have it, folks. Really super smart guy. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just don't I just don't know how you make it any clearer than that. It's some really heady stuff, but the fact of the matter is it's, it's real. Um, I want to close out with this, and I don't think I have enough time to do it, but you, you guys, I don't, I don't know if you follow popular music, but there's this musician named Lauren Hill. She goes by Miss Lauren Hill. And she's she's habitually late by hours. I want to short shift this. This is really, really, really something. Um, you want to talk about where we are as a nation. Uh, this is this this is where we are. She's showed up hours late for a show that people have paid a lot of money for, and one of her many that she's late for. Two hours. This is two hours. Played three songs. She was done. And she writes. Uh, what she writes is absolutely uh, un. It's just not even describable. Uh, you will not believe what she said to her fans. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that next week. I might do a special show. You never know on Wednesday. I might do a special show. Who knows? But um, it, it, you just won't believe it. And maybe you can Google it and read it in the meantime. It'll blow your mind. I'll tell you what, folks. I've sure appreciated having you with me today. We had so many radio hosts uh, on with us. I love that. That's a... That's a really uh, powerful and touching thing when radio hosts are always, you know, they're always busy preparing for their shows and, uh, you know, doing everything that they need to do to make the show happen. And and um, I'm just so honored when they do that. We had Red Fox Radio with us today, my friend Kel and uh, the folks from Crazy Nation Radio had with us. Um, and I think we even had popped in, I think it was Joe Messina popped in from the real side and I'm very lucky to have the friends that I have and all the other folks that join us in chat that keep it uh, so lively and so powerful. It's a lot of fun. Tell your friends. I put a note on the chat, and I'll say it to the folks. If you like the show, uh, please you know, talk it up on social media if you're on that. Go to the ninjapastor.com. Go to the blog section. Make comments. Also to blog talk radio in the comment section on my show page. That's all very, very helpful stuff. Listen. It's been great to be with you today. Thank you for putting up with the sound. I hate that. I don't know how to fix it, but I'll do my dead level best to make it the best for you every week that I can. Thank you again, y'all, for joining me. God bless you. Join us next time for the collision of faith and politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the ninja pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at the ninja pastor. And on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And at www.drseangreener.com. In the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining in this fight.